Hello everyone, this is Trey Borden, and welcome to this episode of What We Gonna Do. So welcome to this next episode of What We Gonna Do. I'm Trey Borden, and I'm really happy to be talking to some lovely friends of mine. Um, We've all just gone through this election after a year that kind of really exposed the relentless divisiveness uh, in this country. A lot of it is on around kind of demographic lines. And a lot of us, especially people of color, um, who have been kind of fighting the, you know, the, the kind of racism and kind of the stubbornness of white people to accept kind of the circumstances that they have, you know, controlled this country within for a long time. Um, people like me have found it very difficult to kind of engage directly with white people about what their responsibility is. And also, you know, having seen this election where the majority of white people still, you know, like, give me one more portion, sir, uh, of Trump and all the rest of the kind of policy that he supported was really difficult to take. So I think that, you know, as we think about what a new administration might be able to make possible, it's hard to move forward knowing that there's this huge section of the country, which is not totally white, but predominantly white, um, they still exist and we need to deal with them. And I don't really want to, um, but I'm trying to get over that. And I think that, you know, to help me not get over it, but to explain kind of maybe a different way of um, going about this, there are two people I like to talk to, um, Asia and Molly. They are two dear friends of mine from way back and they have begun a very powerful and active online group, which is called white people doing something, uh, which, you know, is, I think, a very, very effective way to engage with people who are actually kind of seemingly willing to start these difficult conversations and do that work. So before we go any further, like, why don't you guys just do a short introduction? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm Asia Davis, and I'm married to Molly. In case I thought you were Molly and I was Asia. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's going to be, and people listening to it might not know. Um, And yeah, we we started this group with Nuntre for, God, since way, way long ago. Since I was straight. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine that. Quite some time ago, obviously. Yeah. That's right. You were straight too. That's right. years. Yeah. Okay. Almost. You were 17? No, I was 18. Well, I guess 17 before I went to college, yeah. You've known each other for 20 years. This would have been 2002. Yeah. It's 18 years, more. This would have been spring 02. We met, like, at Georgetown. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, another place with lots of white people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Friends with lots of white people. All right. And? I'm Molly. Asia's wife. <laughs> and we're Hi, co-founders Molly. of the group. Do you want me to um, say more? I mean, yeah, like yeah. Uh, we're co-founders of the group. White people doing something. Um, Molly, why don't you tell the story about how you like how you came to be this day? How white I, people do yeah, something. Yeah, because I think it's really relevant, right? Like it's really relevant to what we're like, what we're moving into. You know, so <laughs> impulsive action. Uh, let's see. So, what was going on? Asia was in the kitchen. I was sitting on the living room couch. We had recently left New York due to COVID. So we were in a strange land called South Carolina. Um, And I, George Floyd had been murdered. Um, 
And when that was going on, we were actually with Asia's family. And so we were having a lot of really great conversations and not on social media. I, I hadn't posted, you know, my solidarity post. I hadn't said, you know, I'm outraged. I, you know, I hadn't done any of that. Um, so I'd sort of quietly, in terms of social media, sort of quietly let this happen um, without any attention. And so that night we were back and I was sort of looking through things and I changed my profile picture and I wrote something. And what I wrote is that like, I don't know what exactly needs to be said right now. And probably if I try to say something, it might not be the right thing. Um, and that's okay. I'm not going to keep quiet. And what ended up happening is many other white people in my circle followed suit. And, and just to be clear, for those of you who aren't watching this, Molly's white. And I'm black. Oh, Molly's black. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying yeah. that for the podcast. Yes, yes. Molly. I'm yes. black. Yes. I forgot. The <laughs> they know at this point. Yes, Molly is just a plain white person. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> from New Hampshire. All the way white. Mm. So I was going to say that's, my white. Uh, through and through. Yeah, uh -huh. that's yeah, that's generations of white. Uh -huh. um, and anyway, so I changed my picture. And then a lot of people in my circle, other white people changed their pictures and started to speak up as well. And I got in that moment that there are people paying attention and that my silence was speaking volumes. And it was saying something that was not true to even the conversation that Asia and I were having. So um, then I saw some, I continued to read some articles and I saw some incredible artwork by Kara Springer. Um, and it said, white people, period, do something, period. And I was like, okay. I remember that, was my, that was my cover photo, actually. I was like, well, I'm glad Molly's looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where I saw it. And so um, in that moment, I decided that you know, there are people who pay attention and oftentimes what happens requires like a triage immediate response and the Facebook algorithm keeps people from seeing things sometimes. So we'll just start a group and how great would it be if we could get like a thousand people in the group over time, you know, so if there's a petition or there's phone calls to be made or we need to signal boost something that someone's at, we just have this group. And so and I want to, I want to jump in here because I think it's yeah. really important for people to know that like, it's not like you guys, I mean, you guys had some, like, I know Molly with the autism, the Global Autism Project, and you, you know how to kind of organize and kind of blast things out and rally people, but this was not a project that had, you know, months and months of preparation <laughs> or any kind of clear outcomes or any kind of like, you know, any kind of big organization kind of behind it. It was just two ladies who were like, white people need to start talking about this and we need to come up with a forum to facilitate that. And you didn't even know the type of people who you might get. So I just want to make sure that yeah, the listener no. and which watcher knows that like, this was kind of done with no real, um, no real concrete expectations. Absolutely. And it was done before Asia had finished cooking dinner. <laughs> so wow. she was sort of like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm starting this group and you know, there's two people in it so far. I think it's going to be really cool. And it was sort of my staff and my community and, um, you know, and it's funny you say that too, because somebody said, you know, like, I don't know what this is about yet, but I know that Molly is like a community organizer and advocate. And I was like, huh, maybe I am. Cause like you said, I had done it with autism in, in years past. So by morning, there were a thousand people in it. And I was like, Hey, Asia, <laughs> so that group, 
so then we became the co-founders. <laughs> so, so that's how it happened. And um, I think we also realized that just by who we are in our own relationship, it's like, that's, we might be the only mixed race lesbian couple that people know in their lives at all. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to have that, that proximity to, to give people that proximity to us and who we are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, go on, Asia. Well, I think what's really, I think, um, interesting about like, not only is it who we are, but also the, like, if we had thought about it, right. If we had spent a moment thinking about like <laughs> what we were going to do, like in terms of like, oh, let's organize and cause all these things, like it would not have happened, right? We would yeah. have talked ourselves out of it. We did yeah. not, we yes. did not have a plan to be showing up. What is it like 190? 188 um, days today, according to, oh, or yesterday. that was yesterday. 189 yeah. days every single day, every single day for the past 189 days, we've gone live with an action for people to take in our group. And if we had set out and being like, you know what, we're gonna, <laughs> this is what we're gonna do. Oh, it wouldn't have well, it would have seemed very over overwhelming, I'm sure. I yeah. mean, even this episode, even the show you're on called What We Gonna Do, <laughs> there was a lot of thought and preparation even about what that question was going to be asking. So I think that it is true. These things actually end up being so much more daunting that if you realized it when you started it, maybe you'd be like, well, maybe not. So it's almost good to have a little bit of naivete and ignorance, especially when you're, you know, rushing into something that could actually really meet a moment. Yeah. 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 That, that is what it did, I think. It was, it was a moment in time and we felt, you know, having been down this road before of innocent black person gets killed, we felt like this is a moment that has more momentum than it has in the past. And we, whoever's fired up about it now, like let's collect them, <laughs> you know, and right. remind them. And, and yeah. really it's based on the idea that like, there, like if we really want to create change, right? Like we can't do it in the vacuum of our, like of ourselves. Like black people aren't going to do it by themselves, right? Like that's just fact number one. If that was the case, we would be, we would be so much more. Like we can do a lot, but we're not going to do it all. And number two, like there are, to your point, Trey, about like the election and like how many people voted for Trump, you know, I'm just going to be like straight up about it. Like it's crazy. It feels crazy. And also what we are betting on and what we know is that there are far more people who want equality, who want not even equality, I hate that word, but like who want, mm -hmm. like who don't want to have like this system as it is anymore. But what's stopping them really is, is like, is fear of speaking up, right? Is fear of like the unknown, is the, the fear of like the consequences that could happen or not happen or just not even knowing what to do. Right. Like not even knowing what to do. And um, to be honest, like, I feel like if we were clear as a culture and a society of what to do, like if we could like really, really, really know what to do, we would have done it. You know, like the thing is that, you know, a lot of people, I feel like if there wasn't because I mean, I don't think there's people who would argue here's here's what we can do to like really combat racism and inequality and kind of policy, you know, disparities. Like, it's not like there's not plans that exist. A lot of people actually just don't want them, you know, because, and a lot of those people are white because they're the ones who have, 
you know, the most to lose from a level playing field. And, you know, and, and we're just talking about kind of like the material gain, like the material losses of equality to white people, let alone kind of like what comes with the ownership, the moral ownership of kind of what you've benefited from, the descendants that you come from. You know, it's, it's a, I think it's a lot for anyone to really reckon with that. And so that plus the material benefits you have to keep it the way it is, I think that that is also what's really inspiring for a lot of white people. But for the people, for the white people who are like, I don't care what it costs me and I don't care what it, how it makes you feel about my grandpa. Like, I need this world to be different. Like, I think that there, this is a good opportunity to kind of get those people on board and those people have gotten on board. I would like to hear from you guys kind of like what, I mean, I'm assuming there's, not, there's lots of people who are not white in this group as well, but for now I want to focus on the white people. Kind of like what have you like what has been the internal wrestling that white people have been dealing with that has been kind of explored on this platform because i think that like for for me and we talked about a lot of this in the podcast it's like i don't spend a lot of time kind of like holding white people's hands helping them feel good about making what i consider to be pretty low level steps towards equity so kind of tell me more about what this community is and like what have you seen white people grappling with that might be illuminating to someone who, like me, is like, I don't mind white people, but I can't stand like a white person who doesn't really know that their whiteness exists and that it impacts others, you know? Yeah. Do you want to talk to that? Well, a couple of things. First of all, um, to your point, Trey, about like, we know what policy changes will make a difference. We like all of that. Like that is, that's been pretty well researched and documented, right? And the challenge is, is that policy, we really feel like policy changes and social programs are not how we're gonna get out of this. If they were, this for years, there have, it has been illegal to discriminate, right? But that doesn't keep people from discriminating because it's not, it's, it's, the, it's the changing of the head and hearts that needs to happen, right? And I think it's interesting because we can focus on sort of the, the white people in this group and we really, have a spectrum of white people, right? It's like, we have the white people who are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea any of this was going on. Thank you so much for sharing with me. Um, and also we have the white people on the other side of it who are like, if you're not woke, if you're not angry, why didn't you capitalize black? I mean, it's like literally the night I started this group, someone was like, what is your training in anti-racism? Why didn't you capitalize black? And I was like, oh, Asia, did you not have to capitalize black? And she's like, no, I've never heard of that. <laughs> and so I wrote back to the guy and I was like, thanks so much for telling me that. I was like, you know, even, even Asia didn't know that. And he was like, it's not her job to know. It's your job to know. And I was like, okay, I got it. Um, and then I had posted a picture, a cartoon gif of minions to say like, invite everyone you know to join the group thinking maybe we can get to a thousand people. By the way, the group now has 40,000 people in it. Just if that wow, see, yeah. So, um, and somebody said, Can I ask why you would use bystander imagery for something like this? And I was like, Wow, okay. you would use what bystander imagery? It was minions, literally cartoon yellow bystander like, imagery, meaning what? I don't know. Um, <laughs> my answer, my I'm sure I someone's gonna tell me. I know. Well, here's the deal what I could have done is looked up 
what is bystander imagery and why should I not use it? And then issued an apology for using bystander imagery and all of the harm that it caused by posting a picture of GIFs of minions. What I did instead that night is I said, oh, because I'm committed to imperfect action, I'm aware of digital blackface. And so I picked a cartoon character. Thanks so much for the heads up, <laughs> you know? And like, right. and that really became, I think the, the ethos of the group is like, Imperfect action. Yeah. Imperfect action. And when dealing with, like, going back to your question about, like, the kinds of white people, I think, like, especially for Black people, like, we're clear, like, if you're a Black person in this group and you're not, you're not, like, trying to, like, be on this level of education and all that kind of stuff, that's totally fine. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't have to. And there, we do have a wide spectrum of white people, you know, and I think the, the I know, like, <laughs> people right. like you, um, and really the, the, the two agreements that we have in our group is we don't make people wrong and we move the conversation for, pro, forward, right, and those two agreements, like, really have shifted the groundwork for everything, because the biggest issue, because we're, like, the, the thing that we're always thinking about is, like, what do we really want to achieve, right, and what's in our way from getting there, right, like, I can focus on, oh god like these white people don't know what they're doing don't want to know what they're talking about but what we're here for is we're for, we're here for creating a world where racism cannot exist right cannot exist not that it doesn't exist not that it could come again in the future where it's not possible for it to exist and so there's a difference and in order to do that there's there's a way in which our culture as a whole and that means black people and white people has to shift so that something like this isn't even in the realm of consideration for human beings. And to make that, so coming from that place, when you're dealing with, for me at least, when we're dealing with white people who don't know, right? Or it feel, might feel like exhausting. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We're looking to, to get people to a place of realizing where like, like what you don't know, you didn't know, all right? You didn't know it. Now you can know, and if you're committed to, to this work and this movement forward, join us, right? It doesn't have to be like, oh, you don't know. I'm not going to mess with you anymore. Bye, you know, <laughs> which works for some people and it's fine. Well, it's like, you know, it's, it's creating a, a, a container and a safe space for conversation, you know, and I, I, I definitely, you know, definitely I'm the kind of person that's like, if you didn't know there was racism and you are a citizen of this country who's past six months old, then it's hard for me to to yeah. really think that you're serious about changing anything, you know. But I also know that there needs. I mean, what I'm what I'm stubbornly starting to acknowledge and realize is that like it doesn't work if we can't convince more people that this is really a priority for them, and that even includes the worst. I mean, there are people for whom like the energy expended plus you know uh, and the the gains gotten like don't add up you know like if you're the if you're david duke i'm not going to waste my time having you rile me up and having you not change but if you're just kind of like someone who is bored or someone who is you know conditioned to not look at this or conditioned to like really like it because of whatever else like you know i don't know what it's like to grow up in kentucky and just be like a normal person who's white and like most people kind of absorb their environment Right now with the internet, you'd think that like that would give people more access to information. But what we've also seen is that like the internet has siloed people 
much yeah. more so. At least there used to be one news channel. Yeah. So it's like everyone at least got the same information. You might feel a way about it, but it's not like you could hide in a hole. And like it, you could hide in a hole. A white person can live in a very liberal white family, go up to their room and be a QAnon racist troll. Yeah. You know, yeah. even within a family of white people that like would not be horrified that that's what was happening. So I can't, I have to acknowledge that that is also possible, that people are being manipulated more than ever to yeah. kind of get sucked into these, into these environments and opinions. Yeah, absolutely. So safe spaces aren't to be looked down upon as places where like only, so like, what do you, you say about the perception that like, you know, these spaces are for things like virtue signaling, like, the white person who's talking about minions and talking about capital B, it's like, that is not what shot George Floyd. Exactly. That is yeah. not what got a knee on his neck was a fucking yeah. minion. Exactly. That was racism and racist action. And like, if you guys are kind of like chasing your tail and pay, you know, patting yourself on the back because you can say capital B black, but you're not doing anything to defund the police or to, you know, have political action, then it's really hard for a lot of people to take it seriously. So how have you guys felt about, you know, this awakening that might happen that you guys are, you know, seeing with your own eyes and then translating that into actions, like things that might create a world with no racism, as Asia said. You know, it's a really good point, right? And sort of that chasing your tail is like the perfect analogy, right? It's like, you're literally like, you didn't spell it right. You use the wrong imagery. You And that's what's happening is sort of this infighting in this world of making people wrong. And so I think what's interesting right now is seeing sort of this, this awakening, as you call it. And I remember somebody posted, um, I cannot remember who said it or what it is, but it was good. And so I am sorry. <laughs> this is not out right. of this is, this is also a safe space. No, okay, <laughs> perfect. Um, but they said, you know, like it's hard, like um, the people, it's hard to wake up a person who's pretending to be asleep. Mm -hmm. And so it's not hard to, you know, people say like, I'm woke now, like I'm here, you know, and it's, what is it? Like, you can't wake up someone who's pretending to be sleeping. And so you have to sort of look at people. And the, one of the things that we say in the group all the time is people only believe things when it comes out of their own mouth. So if I sit here telling you that you're wrong and telling you that you're pretending to be asleep and telling you that you, you know, you're willfully ignorant, you're not going to believe it. When I start, when I get curious. And you'll get pushback. And you'll get pushback. When and you'll I, dig your heels in. You'll exactly. dig your heels in. Exactly. And you know, what's interesting is every single person that we've had this conversation with knows that you'll dig your heels in, yet they still interact like that. So I don't know what that's about, but it's interesting. And it's that, it's that digging your heels in that I think is exactly what we're addressing in this group. And cause like, if you think about it on the grand scale, right? Like the reason that we're still dealing with racism is because people have dug their heels in yes. about whether it exists or not, whether it's real yes. or not, whether it has an impact yes. that it has or not. Yes. Right. And so do you think that's genuine or do you think that people are just like for Rush Limbaugh to say that he does not know about racism or white privilege to me, seems like such a gaslighting disingenuous, like I it's, it's hard for me to believe that people can genuinely be like, racism is gone there has never been racism like you what know, does that mean even it's yeah so 
That it's really interesting. So I was on a call with a bunch of C-level executives from Fortune 100, Fortune 50 companies the week of George Floyd. And it was um, all white people. And what they were talking about is where do you even find black people who are able to do these jobs? And this was a legitimate conversation. And I was like, do you want me to give you some names? Like what, like what jobs, what are you talking about? And this was a legitimate thing. Cause they were like, you know, there's only one or two in the schools. You meet a couple in college, but they kind of do their own thing. Like, where do you even find them? And I was just like, these are the people running our biggest country. Com- yeah. Biggest like, corporations. Which corporations own our country. Right. So it's like, literally and it was the most interesting conversation and it was you know it was like not recorded not it wasn't in front of people like this was people really being like this is like so awful and where on earth do you find that talent and I'm like literally looking around be like I I actually sent them names of people you know but it's like I don't know I don't I cannot speak to Rush Limbaugh knowing that or not knowing that, I will say that um, my instinct is to agree with you and be like, what world are you living in? Um, and also in that, it's like, we have to acknowledge that we live in different worlds. Like we really, in this moment, and this is the heartbreaking part, is that like, we live in different worlds. Yeah, like really different worlds. Yeah. And is easy and this is like it's hard for me too to get because I'm like, what is it? But as easy as it is to, for me to be like, I can't believe you don't see this. It's just as easy for them to be like, I don't see any of it, right? And yeah. it's like, and it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's gotten worse because of the internet. I think um, because, like you said, right? We used to watch like the same news, and like we all used to, you know, also too, like we used to watch like the same kind of shows on TV, right? Like mm-hmm. TGIF, remember, was like a thing. Like everybody watched TGIF, you know? Everybody used to watch, you know, like the Cosby show or what is it? Home Improvement. Fresh Friends. Fresh Friends, right? Yes. Like that was what was on, right? We didn't have any really other choices besides like reading books. But now you can just get everything tailored to like what you like, what you want to see, who you want to hang out with, what your beliefs are, like in your whole world. And so if you don't have like on purpose exposure, yeah. right? Like if you don't make an effort, if you don't even realize that you're in the bubble, first of all, like, so it's awareness one. And then two, you have to make legitimate effort to break outside of that, which is unfortunate, right? It's unfortunate that like- And difficult, have- you know, it's designed to be hard. It's not as if you can just yeah. be like, boop, okay, now the real world's here. It's like, these are things that like, they are meant to trap you and they're meant to be really sticky, you know, so that it's hard to extract yourself. So, you know, I can acknowledge that. And, you know, I would say I'm less concerned about it from the other side. Like if all you see is woke anti-racist shit, then like, I'm not really that mad. But what I do (laughs) think, what what I do think on the other side there is, and like, this is difficult for me to think through and like admit, it's like, it's, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think the outcomes are just as bad, but I do think it is harmful to have all you see of the other side be these demonic, white, obese, slow-footed white people who are, or these Karens, 
who are out here calling people faggots and niggers everywhere they go and like harassing everyone they see. And like, that is not a full or comprehensive portrait of a white Trump supporter or a white person in general. And I do feel like there is harm in kind of like creating this giant chasm where it's like either you are, you know, Patrice Colors or the people who support her, or you are an actual demon. You know, Patrice is doing incredible, incredible work, and there she's yeah. she's one of the best leaders we have. But not everyone is where she is right. yet, and if everyone who's not where she is yet is considered to be, you know, an enemy or not even an enemy, because an enemy you're actually gonna spend your time fighting. These are people who like aren't even in your consideration, and I think that if that's the pool that we're creating, like that's a gigantic pool. And without those people, it's going to be so, so hard to get them to, to get any of the policies that we want, to kind of reform our electoral system, to have a culture that like polices itself. Yes. You know, like you're talking about Asia creating a world where racism doesn't exist. The only world where that's possible is where white people stop being racist. Yeah. You know, if white people said, we're not gonna be racist today, literally the, fantastic majority of racism would have be eliminated. And if they, and if they went as far as to say, we're going to be anti, what? So the question we, we're inquiring is how do you make that happen? Right? It's sure as hell not going to happen if you're like, you are a demon, you drive a pickup truck, and you're racist because you got camo on, and <laughs> you you support Trump. Like, that's not going to happen. It has to come out of their own mouths. It's not going to happen. Has to come out of I told a story the other day that I thought was really interesting because um, then I want to talk about kind of like how the community organized can be leveraged, a replicated, mm -hmm. um, and well, I mean, the best of the work it's doing. Like, how do we replicate that? And then also this, but there's something I thought was really interesting. My when my mom was really ill a few years ago, you know, when my my dad and her had a conversation about like what would happen if like she something happened and she needed to have help and my dad was like unable to get there. Like, is there a neighbor or someone? And my mom like really surprised my dad. So I always, my parents live in Elk Grove, which is like a suburb of Sacramento that's like pretty, it's like very suburban, formerly very rural, like racist history, not where I'd want to be walking down the road, like in certain parts of it at night. Um, and so when I go to visit them, I go walk my dog and we pass this house that had a Trump flag. Trump 2020, and this is like early on in Trump. I'm like, it's 2017, maybe 18. You're talking about 2020 and we've already seen all this shit. Like what a crazy ass bastard this must be. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, my mom was like, you know, his, I think his name was Mike and my dad, she's like, I call Mike. He was like, really? She's like, you know, like he might be a kind of Trump supporter, but like, I, you know, I've talked to Mike and I know that Mike, even though he likes everyone to know he likes Trump, he considers being a good neighbor, like the most important thing. She's like, I know if I was in trouble, Mike would drop what he was doing, pass his Trump flag to be like, hey Trump, and come over and take care of me. And so like, that's who I would call. And I was like, my dad told me that if she died. And I was like, that's so interesting. My mom was raised in the segregated Texas. You know, she knows about white people. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure she was unimpressed with the Trump flag, to say the absolute least. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, she's like, if I'm in trouble, who am I calling? It's that guy I know who's a good neighbor above all else. And I'm like, that type of like 
that type of bond or that type of even possibility, even the perception of that possibility, I was like, that is kind of what we need to cultivate. Like you could look, he could look past his Trump flag, she could look past his Trump flag and they could be like, but what we actually care about is this community in this neighborhood and whether you're okay. And I don't know, that's like my own personal like exposure to that sentiment. Like she never had, she never called Mike to my knowledge, you know, but I'm glad she didn't have to. But yeah. I, the fact that she would, the fact that it was a possibility in her mind, I think is like something so powerful that um, groups like yours and like maybe some of the interactions you're seeing kind of bolster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is um, we did a survey in our group a while back and like, we were like, mm. what do you want out of this? Like, what do you like, what are you afraid of? What do you want out of this? Like, what do you like, what, what brought you here? And, you know, people answered like, you know, they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. They're afraid of, they, they really want to, like, they don't want to offend people. But like the overarching theme for every answer was people just wanted to be connected, right? They didn't want to have this divisiveness. They didn't want to have this like, this like thing between them and other people. And I think like I think that story is so perfect because at the end of the day, in order to create a world where racism cannot exist, we all have to be willing to be connected to each other where we where we see each other like as who we are, right? And like be connected. Now, of course, in this day and age, we're not stepping over like that racism is a thing and that like there are black people and different people and like the whole his like history of it. But in order to get to where we want to go there there has to be that i think desired connection and really what we're doing is we're just breaking down those walls mm-hmm. right to getting to the truth of who we are right like like it's like how molly and i can be together you know like if you think about like in our relationship we talk about race all the time <laughs> right it's, apparently other don't but apparently people don't right and we that's a whole other episode yeah right that's a whole, whole other, other episode, episode. <laughs> But it's interesting because, like, like my experience with a white person is way different than with a black person, and it's crazy, right? It's real crazy. Um, but like, we at the end of the day, it's 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 just like a love that that is like beneath all surmounts all of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so if 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 we can if we can break down, like I always tell everybody, like the reason I'm with Molly is because she like, she saw past my bullshit, you know, like she saw past my bullshit and we see past each other's bullshit. And so it's like, we just see the person for who they are. And that makes it much easier. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> true. But if we could have that level of, of connection and like truth, like seeing, right. It's like seeing the truth of each other and like the truth of every person. Right. Cause I don't see other people so differently than I see Molly. Right. But what we, what we see, like what's presented to us is all their bullshit. Right. Like, like we're trained to see the bullshit. We're trained to see like, Oh, you, you support Trump. Oh, Mask you're racist. Yeah. Beliefs, and that's what we're, what we're trained to see. But when we're, if we're, if we can retrain ourselves, I think this is what we need to do. <laughs> we can retrain ourselves to just look past the, the bullshit, meeting. right? Then, like that connection becomes possible, and then, and then it becomes this like, oh, there you are, 
you're you're another person like okay there you are and then that's how like mike can be the person that your mother calls right because she saw past this bullshit mm-hmm. yeah yeah and go on i was just gonna say so in our group you know it's great that your mom would have called mike and there's a lot of there are a lot of mics in the world <laughs> i believe 55 percent of white people are mics um but there's a lot of mics. <laughs> there's a lot of mics in the world and mike who values being a good neighbor above all else has a commonality with other people who are not necessarily trump supporters who are not necessarily outwardly racist who you know and those people what we do is we give those people the tools to engage with the mics of the world to have a conversation about it to be like hey you really value being a good neighbor what does that look like to you hey wouldn't it be cool if people had access to health care and didn't get murdered by the cops and you know that might be good right so it's like really but to engage with mike from a um from a from a place of curiosity and when you do that, you're going to find that you have more in common with Mike than you think. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you get stuck on hearing the thing, like there's so many mics. You're like, there's too many mics. And I think that is like what really stops a lot of us from being like, you know, but also it's like I, something you said earlier when you hear this a lot in some of these circles, it's like, it's not on black people to go and convince the mics. It really is. I mean, I think at some level, Asia, I agree with you where it's like, it's all of our responsibility if we want the world that we say we want to, to do what needs to be done. But a lot of that work has been done by black people disproportionately for far too long. And so I think that like, you know, we got some credit stored up, you know, in this one area, <laughs> you know, and white people don't. So I think that like groups like yours, I think are able to kind of start to diffuse that. Cause also, you know, a lot of where these conversations can happen. And this is the other irony of like, you know, everyone can't go to Thanksgiving. I mean, A, there's a pandemic, so people can't go to Thanksgiving, but also it's like Thanksgiving has become this div- divisive place where like you're just yeah. cursing out your racist uncles all the time. But it's right. like me and Asia typically are not at the all white family Thanksgiving, right. you know? So it's like white people are our sleeper cells, like, you know, where if we yeah. give the ones that the tools and not just tell them like, you should cancel Thanksgiving. If your family don't like it, like, you know, make them suffer for their beliefs. It's like, as good as that would feel for me to see a YouTube clip of some, you know, 18 year old granddaughter cursing out her racist ass granddaddy or, you know, whatever. It's like nothing occurred there that like is useful to me. Right. A video of her doing the mic conversation and having her grandpa say, you know what? Maybe the police do need a little bit less funding. That's the, that's the video that does something for me. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that that's why I wanted to talk to you guys today and kind of give you kudos to what you're doing. Because like, you know, I told Asia, I was like, when I saw the group, I was like, God bless them. <laughs> you know, that sounds like something I could never, but then the, and I had this conversation with Asia last week and I was like, I want to talk to you guys about this because especially now, like with Trump fading a little bit into our rear view, very slowly and scratching the, scratching the glass, but he's fading. Um, I think it does, it does become a conversation about where do we go from here? And how do we look at these 77 million people, many of whom are white, many of whom feel like they're under, they felt like they were under attack before and they had their goofball in office, you know? Now they don't. And it's gonna be even easier for them to be, 
you know, fearful and for these media organizations to kind of like play that up and like sooner, like there will be even further and further apart. And there will come a point where the only way to solve it is like fighting essentially. And it'd be so much easier to get to where we need to get with as many of those people kind of like crossing the threshold as possible. So um, yeah, well, I'm excited to kind of see where your group continue. I know you, I know it will continue to grow. I can't wait to kind of go to your group and kind of start to think about what are these tangible community actions that will result in what you want, but any kind of closing remarks, like where do you want to see it go from here, this community? And, and also where do you want to see white people go specifically, you know, even outside of your group? Mm. What do we need from white people? Well, we do this day in our group called Listening Tuesday, and we invite posts only from Black, Indigenous, people of color. And the only comments are only allowed on those posts on Tuesday, and comments are only allowed to be a heart of some random color. And it's really hard for some people. We're like, you literally may post one heart emoji. That is what you may post as a comment. And so I think from my perspective, which is obviously skewed, but <laughs> um, I think more listening and less, less talking. And yeah. I think, yes, I think definitely more listening. And also, this might sound crazy, but also like more courage from the people who yeah. are sitting back and saying like, oh, this shouldn't be. Like, it shouldn't mm -hmm. be like this shame, shame, but like, I'm not going to do anything. Right. I don't want to say anything. Ruffle I don't want to rustle, yeah, ruffle any feathers. Right. So like, honestly, and this is like where we're moving is like, I want to see more like courage from those people to not only just like stand up, but speak up and be able to have these conversations that causes the shift that we need. Because I guarantee you there are more people who want a just world. I feel like it's our, it's our nature, but like, we don't know who they are. They're the lurkers. They're the ones in the background. They're the armchair people being like, ah, like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, you know? And so I would like to say, I like to see more courage from the place of mm -hmm. listening, right? Yeah. And like truly yeah. getting it and understanding, yeah. not like here's the white person and I'm here to save everybody. Like, not that, you know? But coming from the genuine, genuine place of curiosity and it's like, oh, my whole world is not what I thought it was. And I'm gonna actually do something about it instead of being complacent or resigned. Yeah, we need like a coming out campaign for non-racist white people. <laughs> it's like you know it's like make yourself known and before you know it like people will be okay with a lot of people being not racist i mean it's like the classic example of and i have many black women especially but black people people of color who are like in these you know team meetings at work and they'll say something to kind of call out some injustice or something that should be curtailed and then like a white person will text them privately and be like thank you so much for saying something it's like Bitch, why don't you say something? You're the boss. You're the, you have a higher position than I do, and you're white. Yeah. Why is my black? Why why have to put my black skin on the line every day? And you're not willing to do it because like you don't want to be seen as difficult. I think that's a that's a if a if a white if a if a bigger majority of white people decided that they were gonna make themselves known and confront other white people. It's white people confronting white people. Black yeah. people confronting white people is already a thing we've accepted. Well, 
happen for until this is no longer an issue. But white people being like, you, sir, are in the wrong. You, ma'am, need to step back and think about your choices in your life. You know, like yeah. that is something I want. I would love to see more of that. So, yeah. well, thank you for taking the time to speak to me. I'm really, really glad that we did. I think this is an ongoing conversation, obviously, because yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not. I'm certainly never been described as anti-white, but I have become sneakily anti-bad white. You know, and I'm like, you know, and I think there are reasons to be like, if you're if you're committed to those beliefs, then like I really don't have time for you. And if it comes down to it, I am going to try to destroy you. But in the meantime, there's a lot of y'all that don't need to get to that point who I think could be could see the light and i don't think it's like it's not being ugly towards people is not a good use of my time even if it's deserved so i think that like this kind of space that you're creating and that you're like you're willing to push back against people like me who are like fuck those white people you're like fuck 77 million people and i'm like hmm. and it's you know hopefully less than that so thank you so much, guys. Thank you for this episode. What we don't do. You. Thank you so much for creating. Everyone, go and join this group, especially if you're a white person in the kind of gray area. Uh, <laughs> go and do something. <laughs> white people doing something on Facebook. Um, and Asia and Molly, always a pleasure to see you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Good to see you too. Thanks so much, Trey. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.